You can share after the service together. It's like once we let you guys loose, there's no reining you in. Come on in. Take your seat. want to welcome you here on this Father's Day. For all of you fathers, happy Father's Day. We're grateful that you can be there. Or for you grandfathers, happy Grandfather's Day. Or even if you're a, perhaps a great-grandfather, maybe that as well. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. As you might recall, before Karen and I actually had taken a week away to celebrate our 41st wedding anniversary, uh, I was in the middle of a series on learning to hear and discern the voice of God. How do you know what is God and what's just the voice in your head or other voices that come your way? Well, this sermon that I want to share today actually is kind of like an intrusion into that, but it has some of the same flavor, so I hope you can pick up on it as we go along. Uh, how many of you have heard of uh, Elie Wiesel? Any of you? Elie Wiesel? Or perhaps for you, it might be Anne Frank. Some of you remember the diary of Anne Frank. Or perhaps uh, it would have been Victor Frankel or Primo Levi. Uh, or maybe you guys aren't readers. Maybe you're TV watchers. How many of you have watched Schindler's List? Any of you? Okay, I haven't watched it, uh, but I heard that it's pretty good. Uh, maybe I'll watch it one day. But Schindler's List was about a man and his wife who heroically saved over 1,000 Polish Jews during the time of the Holocaust. But the thing that kind of set me going on this message today was that Elie Wiesel made a statement in one of his books that really got me thinking. Um, Elie Wiesel and his family were captured. They were from Romania. They were taken captive during the uh, time of World War II. They were taken to Auschwitz, the prisoner of war camp, where his mother and his young sister were immediately killed. But because he, he was age 15 at the time, he and his father were able-bodied, they were actually made a part of a prison work detail. Well, after some time, he and his father were transferred to Buchenwald, which is another prisoner of war camp. And there, after a very brief time, Ellie's father died. But it was on... August or April 11th, I'm sorry, April 11th, 1945, that Ellie was released by the occupying American troops at the time. Some years went by, and Ellie made his way back to his Romanian hometown. And he shared something that, again, got me thinking. He shared that when he arrived in his own hometown, the thing that distressed him the most, that struck him the most, was that his neighbors, who were not Jewish, would almost not remember at all the atrocities that had been done to their Jewish neighbors. And he said because of their lack of remembering, it made it hard for him to process what had been done to he and his people. Remembering. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you this morning about, is remembering. It's critical in the lives of God's people, uh, again and again throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God tells His people to remember. I mean, think about it. Isn't that why they were commanded to celebrate the Passover year after year? They were to remember the fact that when they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, 
when they put the blood, it caused the death angel to pass over them because they were distinct from, they were separated. In fact, Moses said, the only thing that distinguishes us from all other peoples upon the face of the earth is that you are with us. And they were commanded to remember. They were commanded to remember that the reason why they had unleavened bread with no herbs in it is because they had to pack it up quickly. They didn't have time for it to rise because they were on a journey. All of this was not just to cause them to recall by rote recitation like we might do our times table or the alphabet when we're little kids. All of this was caused that as they would freshly remember it, they would enter into the wonder and the joy of God's great deliverance. And all throughout the generations, God would again and again save His people and then tell them to remember and to tell of His wonders to their children. If you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, or you can turn there in your phones if that's easier for you. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6 is a uh, wonderful passage on this Father's Day. And it says this, Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and they shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. God commanded the children of Israel who had experienced something of God's wondrous salvation to remember to tell their children so that their children would understand what good things God had done for them. And my question to you this morning is, as we celebrate Father's Day, fathers, fathers, are you talking to your children about the things that God has done for you? The good things that God has wrought in your life that you're no longer the same as you used to be. You have changed because of the presence of God. You talk about the fact that you saved. There was a time when you weren't saved. There was a time when you were going on your own. But now God encountered you. You encountered the living God. And something has changed forever. And in fact, in an interesting twist of this whole idea of remembrance, remember when Noah comes out of his ark. Do you remember one of the things that God did? The Scripture says God set a rainbow in the sky. Do you know why he did it? He did it. He says, he says. Now, he says, I do it so that when I see the rainbow, I will remember. God says, I will remember. And it was so important, he would say that you, too, should remember. When God reveals himself in a new and a fuller way to his people on the journey to the promised land, he gives them expressions of his holy character that we call the Ten Commandments. But one of those Ten Commandments had the word remember in it. What was it? What Ten Commandment has the word remember in it? Remember the Sabbath. Not just remember that you get a day off every week. It's remember that your life is completely dependent upon God for everything. Rem remember the Sabbath. In fact, 135 times in the Scriptures, God tells His people, to remember 135 times that's pretty significant on several occasions when God encountered people in a very significant way they would actually do something that would help them to remember uh, in fact you remember when Jacob was at the place that later on he called Bethel he, he lays his head upon a rock that night he just takes this rock and he lays his head on it because it absorbed the heat of the day 
So it became for him a warm pillow. And he sets the rock down, he lays his head, and that night he dreams. And in his dream, he saw a ladder ascending to heaven. And he saw angels descending and ascending, showing that there's a connection between God and man. And when he woke up, he said, surely this place is Bethel, the house of God. And there he took another rock that he found, and he set it up, and he took another rock, and he set that up, and he said, this rock, and he poured oil on it, and he said, this is so that I can remember that I met with God in his very house. I didn't know that when I laid my head on my pillow that night that I would meet with God, but I would do So each of these rocks represents a memory that was called back to the children of Israel. When the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, they were told to take 12 rocks, and each rock represented a tribe. This rock represents Jim. Jim, Jim and his life, and how God has met with him. This rock represents Frank and how God met with Frank. This rock represents Dave. And then they took that rock and every time they would go by it, God would tell them, tell your children what I did for you. Tell your children how I saved you. I delivered you from what you were to what you have now become. They piled up these stones not just for themselves, but for future generations to declare the goodness of God that you just sang about this morning. When the people were faced with enemies that seemed too large, they would remember. They would remember that, oh yeah, that's right. God came and He met with us. And, and here, here in His presence, we encountered the living God. Remember how God delivered us in the past. And in remembering, realize He will do it again. It's, it's a call to remember God's storyline. You know, uh, one of the things that I enjoy is, I, I do enjoy watching a movie. Every once in a while, like my wife and I don't watch a lot of, lot of movies probably once a year on vacation, we will go to a theater and watch a movie. Mostly just because we're too cheap to pay $12 for a ticket. So once a year, we'll go ahead and we'll splurge and we'll go to the movies and we, we will watch a movie as we did this year. But in there, there's always a storyline. There, there's a plot that goes through it. And those rocks are remembrance that God has a storyline too. God's storyline is He loves to come and rescue His people. He loves to save. And not just to save. You know, for some people in this world, and some people, especially in the United States of America, if they have said the sinner's prayer, then they say, you're saved. Well, I want to suggest to you, and I know this is going to go contrary to a lot of stuff that you hear around you, but I want to suggest you saying some magic words doesn't make you saved at all. You, you saying abracadabra doesn't make you saved. It's only when you take faith in your heart and you believe in God and you say, God, because you chose me, I make the choice to follow you. I'm going to go hard after you. And that's what these rocks meant for the children of Israel. It was a time of remembrance. Even the very thing that for the children of Israel represented the essence of the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, had items in it that they were called to put in the Ark in order that they could remember. In the Ark was the rod of Aaron that budded to remind them that God is the one who actually picks the leaders, not the people. God chooses them. It's not a popularity contest. God appoints. And then in that ark was also a little bowl of manna to represent that God provides our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And then in the ark was the covenant of God with His people, the Ten Commandments, those stone tablets. In fact, do you know that the Jewish people believe to this day that in the ark there were actually two sets of Ten Commandments? There was the 
finished one that was put in that actually Moses brought down the second time and gave them. And then there was the broken one that he threw down on the ground. It was so holy to them that they wouldn't let it go to the waste. And they put it into the ark as well. Showing that God even can work with broken things of which we all are to some extent. The idea is we all so easily forget. Uh, Especially in the more challenging times in life. It's easy to forget what God has done for us when it's been light. My wife has a saying that she used years ago, and I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong. I didn't ask her ahead of time. But it was something like this. Remember in the dark that which God has said in the light. That's what this is about. It's remembering what God has done for you. Remembering His goodness to you. We need sometimes tangible reminders to go back and recall God's faithfulness, His kindness, His mercy. And in that recalling, to remember what was true back then is still true today. God has not forgotten us, His people. The reason we go back and look at pictures uh, I have on my side table. If you came into my house, I have a, a table that sits right next to the chair that I sit in. And on that side table is a digital picture frame. And this digital picture frame was a gift to me Uh, I think it was for Christmas. Yeah, it was for Christmas. My wife's back there correcting me as I go along to make sure I get it right. Um, But it's a digital picture frame I got at Christmas, but this one is different. This isn't like one picture. This is any picture I want. Thousands and thousands of pictures it says I can put on this digital picture frame. And at night, you can ask Karen, at night, we might even have the TV on in the background. I might have my... uh, Kindle next to me and I'm reading at the same time because you know sometimes things get boring both ways so you do both but more often than not I am turned I'm I sit here Karen sits over there I sit here and here's the frame and most time I'm turned away from her just looking at the picture frame because it is full of my grandkids almost every picture in there is with my grandkids there's a few other ones but it's the grandkids uh, I I love to be reminded that there was a time when I didn't even know if I would live to be this old. I, I, I never thought about dying necessarily. Well, I, I mean, I knew I would die. But I never thought about getting old. I mean, to me, when you're young, when, when you're 20 years old, old is like 40. Right? You never think too much about it. It's like, hey, when I get to be 40, put me in an urn somewhere or something. I don't know. But I look at these pictures and I think, God, you have been so kind to me. I have lived to see nine grandchildren. And I remember that there was a time when I didn't know God at all. My family didn't know God. God took a man who was like Don Knotts in Andy Griffith and had him witness to my dad till my dad hurt him, literally, physically hurt him, ended up in the hospital, and my dad comes and says, how can I make it up to you? And he says, come to church with me on Easter Sunday. My dad walks in the door of Spencerport Assembly of God. Dr. Bartholomew at the time was preaching. But as he walked in the door, my dad began to weep, and that day, my dad gave his life to Christ, delivered from alcohol immediately. What would my family have been like if God hadn't intervened in my family? I remember. I wouldn't be who I am if God didn't reach George Lanneville first. Was George Lanneville ever perfect? No. But he was the beginning of a line of people who are God followers. So I remember. And when I look at my grandkids, I realize it's not ending with me. It's going to my kids and my kids' kids. Remember. 
Isn't it true that sometimes you go back and read what you wrote a year ago or two years ago? Maybe, maybe there are even sermon notes that you wrote, and you wrote down key phrases or thoughts, and you go back and you look at it, and it causes you to be stirred afresh to remember what God spoke to you back then. Maybe it was things that God spoke to you, about you. Or maybe it was a prophecy over your life. And you go back and you look at it. That's why we tell people, if you get a real prophetic word, write it down, because we forget so easily. And remember what God has said to you. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk if you would prefer. Habakkuk was a prophet of God who was struggling with the political and economic times that he was living in. I mean, it was much like our day today. Uh, And Habakkuk speaks to God and says, God, I have heard. And then he begins this litany. He says, I've heard of all that you used to do. I've heard of how you delivered us through the Red Sea. I've heard of how you delivered us over the Jordan River. I heard how you delivered giants into our hands and we took lands that were not ours and now they are ours. I've heard. But God, I'm sick of just hearing about it. I want you to do it in my day. I want you to do it now. I'm tired of hearing the old timers talk about revival and what God did in days gone by. God, I want revival for our generation. That's what Habakkuk is about. Isn't it true that sometimes during worship, the words are up on the screen, but you don't care about the words anymore. Something grips your heart of the presence of God. And you just forget it all. And you remember waves come over you. Oh yeah, yeah, this is the presence of God that I have longed for, that I have wanted all my life. Forget everything else. Why would we go on when God's presence is in the house? To remember. The songs of worship help us. To remember. That's why David wrote so many of the Psalms. To remind himself and to remind the children of Israel of God's goodness to them. I believe that this is a time of all times that I've lived. I believe this is a time when we need to choose to remember. We need to remember God's goodness to us. His kindness to us. Maybe you've gone through some hard things. I've gone through. There's no life that goes through it without some hiccups in it. Some battles that you fight. Some you lose. Or you think you lose, but then you come out the other side far enough down the road and you realize God actually did something even in that. I was talking to someone yesterday and one of the phrases that God has put in my heart over these years now has been the phrase, as I'm going through hard things, as I say, God, what are you doing in this? What are you about? Maybe I don't like what's going on, but God, what are you doing in me through this? I want the presence of God more than anything else in my life. It's so easy in times of chaos or upheaval to just put so much focus on that stuff. That's why during all of the pandemic, I kept saying again and again and again, let's remember we are people of the kingdom. No matter what rules the government or or the health department might set up, let's remember we are people of the kingdom. God has apprehended our lives. We need to remember. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done for us and allow our hearts to be freshly stirred. To remember that our sins are forgiven. How many of you have your sins forgiven? How many of you are grateful for sins forgiven? How many of you are grateful for sins forgiven today? I don't care whether you sinned today or not. You probably had because you woke up. But I'm grateful my sins are forgiven. I'm grateful to remember that He saved me and He filled me with His Spirit. There was a time when I said the sinner's prayer, but I'm just going through the motions because everybody else seemed that. Well, that was the culture. 
But then God's presence came and he filled me. And I realized there's something more to being a Christian than just saying some words. I am grateful to remember that he's given my life purpose. That I'm not just going in circles. I'm going somewhere. I have his destiny in my heart. I am grateful that God paid the most extravagant price on planet earth for me. His very own blood. I'm grateful to remember that he holds me in his hands and no one can snatch me out of his hands. I mean, it might feel like times are are hard and they're shaky, but nothing can shake the unshakable God. His promises are true no matter what. I'm grateful to remember that no matter what the lies of the enemy, what God says about me is the only thing that really matters. And that's true for you no matter what your age, whether you're a teen or whether you're older. Kids say some hard things. Adults say some hard things to us. I've been in church long enough. I can remember one time I had somebody write a letter to me to say, you have the spirit of the Antichrist. I've had things hard happen. Don't look like I'm all together. Well, you couldn't live with me long and know that. But either way, I'm merely saying to you, we've all had hard stuff happen. But it's what God says about us that matters. So these stones help me to remember God says you're chosen. You're adopted. You're accepted. You're my delight. You're the apple of my eye. That's what God says, regardless of what everybody else might say. In Psalm 74, the psalmist cries out to God in time of trouble, much like what we've been experiencing this last year. And he asks God to remember his people, but he pleads with him not to withhold his strong arm of salvation. In the psalm, you can look on your own, Psalm 74, there's a sense of where are you, God, and why aren't you doing something? Why don't you do something about this? But then the psalmist makes a transition. He makes a conscious decision in the midst of the hard times. Not waiting for it all to resolve first. He makes a decision right there. He chooses to remember. Listen to this. Psalm 74, verse 12. Again, the whole first part of it is the psalmist saying how bad things are. But in verse 12 he says, For God is my King from of old working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the water. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You, God, broke open the fountain and the flood. You dried up the mighty rivers. The day is yours. The night is yours. You've prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. It's like the psalmist says, in the midst of it all, I'm going to remember what you did, God. And in remembering, I know that you can do it again. He isn't saying that he's sensing God's presence. He's not saying God has now saved him from the midst of it all. He's saying, God, I remember what you have done. In a time where the world feels like it's gone crazy, he remembers God. If you listen to the news, and you've got to admit, Sometimes I, I, I just want to say to people, would you please stop listening to the news? It's bad news. It's always bad news. And what's worse, by the way, at least in my limited aged experience, is that we are learning about things contemporaneously with its occurrence. Things that years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we might never have even heard about. Or we would have heard about it after the fact. But now we're hearing about it even as it's happening. Videos in front of our face. And it's almost too much for the human soul to bear. 
in the midst of all of that, with the horrific and evil that goes around, it can sometimes leave you with the impression that the enemy is winning. The evil is winning the day. And then we remember. We remember what God has done for us. Later on in Psalm 77, the psalmist says this, I cried out to God with my voice. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. So he's in a hard time. But he jumps down to verse 10 and he says, And I said, this is my anguish. But. But. That's the strong word. But. I will remember the years of your right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Esau. And your life. God has redeemed you. I wonder how many of you have allowed the tragedies of what's gone on in this last year. We've all probably had friends that we know of who have passed during this time. Whether because of COVID or in the midst of COVID. I know for us, we lost my wife's mother during this time. Couldn't do a normal funeral. I think at that time we could only have seven or something like that people present. Nine maybe it was, I can't remember. But either way, we, we, we basically couldn't have a regular funeral. We couldn't have visitation hours and have friends come by and offer their care. And you probably have lost loved ones as well. But in the midst of it all, is it possible that the reason why you feel some stress and strain, some anguish at times, is because you've forgotten what God has done for you. The goodness of God. Yeah, life didn't go the way you planned, but look at who you are today. And did God not use some of those things in your life to make you who you are? My father was not a perfect man. Uh, he, he was the first in our family that got saved. Saved, saved. You know what I mean. I mean he didn't just say some words. He got saved. His life was revolutionized. But he was never perfect. He was still hard. Really hard. But as I get to the age that I am today, I realize God actually used my father with all of his failures to make me, to cause me to be who I am as a man. Not just what I could have been, but who I am. I look at some of my siblings, and I think, God, you saved our whole family. And you started with an imperfect man. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Maybe today, you need to take some time just to remember to remember who God really is and what He's done for you. Every month, we celebrate the Lord's table on the first Sunday of the month. And in the midst of it, we say, this do in remembrance of me. You're not remembering all of the idiosyncrasies. Which I remember the first time I had to do communion, I didn't remember. I didn't even know where it was in the texts. Uh, and I can remember I did the cup first. Didn't know. So you just did it. Well, he, when, when Paul uses those words, quoting Christ, he's not saying, do it so that you can get the order right. He's saying, do it so that you remember what I have done for you. Remembering isn't merely looking into the past and reciting facts and figures. And he, here's the line that I wrote that captures what I wanted to say to you. It's recalling what he did and knowing that as he did, he does. As he did, he does. Jesus is every bit as much today as he was back then. A remembering of what has happened 
is an encouragement of what can still happen in our lives. Of what God has done for us. It's remembering, it's calling our hearts and our minds back to what is really true. About five years ago, I spoke a message to you uh, about the truth that God declares that if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, all things have passed away, all things have become new. And I gave you at the beginning of that message an old dirty stone, all of you. And then at the end of the message, I gave you the opportunity, if you wanted, as a symbol and a sign of what God has done for you, to take that old dirty stone and to exchange it for a new, bright, shiny stone. Some of you might even still have it. Uh, my wife was telling me she just saw it on her desk the other day. So for some of you, it's been a daily reminder, I am a new creation in Christ. Well, what I want to do today as we draw to a close is, is to give each of you another little colored stone. And so I'm going to ask uh, my two helpers if they would pass them out. And you can just take whatever color. It doesn't matter if you feel like it's significant. You take a color. And the idea is this that I want you to try to capture. is I want you each to take a stone. Go for it. Quickly. And I know I shouldn't have given you color choices because that's going to take too long. Got to do it quick and then hold it in your hand. As you get the stone, if you would just stand where you are. If you're able, if you can't, that's fine. But if you're able, if you would stand. And hold the stone in your hand. Just kind of hold it. Look at it. Making sure everybody has theirs. Okay, does everybody have one now? Everybody get missed? Just making sure. Thank you. Okay, with the stone in your hand, I want you just to look down at it for a moment. And this, I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, a stone of remembrance. I want you to look at it and remember what has God done for you Maybe you're going through a hard time right now, but what has God done for you? If you had to pick the most important thing God has ever done for you, what would it be? Maybe for you. It started with the fact that you were lost. You were going your own way. But God saved you. God gave his life for you, and you received that life. 
and you entered into the heart of Jesus. We talk about asking Jesus into our heart, but I think a far better way to look at it is Jesus invites us into his heart. Maybe for you, you look at that stone and you say, okay, that's true, and that, that means the world to me. But there was a time when I had a death sentence on my life. We have people in our midst who came here. I remember one time we had a lady show up here on a Sunday evening service, back when we had Sunday evening services. And she came because she wanted to come to church just to get right with God before she died because she had a tumor that there was no hope for. Tumor on her brain. She came and she gave her heart to Jesus and we said, well, can't we pray for you for healing? She said, no, I'm fine. I'm ready to go home. But God healed her anyways. Maybe for you, it's God healed you. God put his heart upon your life. And in that, that life came into you. Maybe for you, it's like I, I went through times when I didn't know if I'd even make it financially. I didn't have two pennies to rub together, but I'm here today and I have a family and God has been kind and gracious to me. What is it that you remember about the goodness of God? And I want you to take all of that, if you would, and place it on that stone. Because that's kind of what they did. They poured oil on it and said, God, all of this, all of this is remembering what you have done. Your kindness, your goodness. And every memory becomes a fresh promise that God is for you. And what he has done, he will do again. He will pour his life into you. It's kind of like the rainbow in the sky and the pillar of stones on the far side of the Jordan River. That stone that you hold in your hand represents God's promise to you. Now I want you to take your other hand and put it over that just for a second. And I want to pray blessing over you. Uh, we, we've done it for the last couple weeks. Uh, Pastor John has spoken messages on the blessing. So if you would just keep your hands together holding the promises of God because that's what they are. The stone is the promise of God. It's what he has done, he will do. And I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore for the rest of your life. God, I pray that you will dog their steps with goodness and mercy. Follow them, God. Be like the hound of heaven to every single one of them. Don't let them forget your goodness, your kindness, your compassion, your mercy, your love. And Father, when they're tempted to forget, because of things they're going through. I pray that you would cause them to look at this stone that they hold in their hands and to remember, oh yeah, I remember that day that I took all of your goodness and your kindness and I placed it on the stone of remembrance. Do it, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now what I want to encourage you to do is to put the stone somewhere that you have access to it. Maybe for you, it's in your little coin tray in your car and you drive every day and you know, okay, I want that stone to remind me. Maybe for you, it's on your coffee coaster at work or at home. Maybe for you, it's in your purse and you know that every day you have to go get your car keys out and so you pull it out and there's the stone. But every time you see it, let it be a reminder to you of the goodness and kindness of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all and have a great rest of your Father's Day. I trust that you will feel the love and the goodness of Father God most of all. God bless you.